you know, there are a lot of people, who, especially let's say white people who want to say, you know, that's not me. I'm a good person. I don't have bias. Mm, yes, you do. We all have bias and we've been programmed to have bias from the time of our birth because that's really even what culture is. It's just like a process of programming. Welcome to Time Personified. I am your host, Francesca Mamlin. If this is your first time listening, I am an astrologer and I am the host of this podcast. And this episode is in honor of the beautiful full moon in Libra of October 16th, 2020. So if you are listening to this episode in real time, new moons are an opportunity to set an intention for something you want to do or create over the next 28 days, possibly longer. Uh, You can work with lunar cycles to set longer intentions too. Or you can also plant seeds for something that you plan on nurturing and growing in your life. It's also a great time to literally plant seeds. Many gardeners or farmers may know that seeds planted on new moons are more likely to germinate and grow. So as we move through the end of Libra season, we get this chance to reflect on what autumn has been teaching us so far. We're just about a month into the autumn, into the fall, and we have an opportunity now to potentially initiate something new. This new moon also has a very contemplative energy with Mars and Mercury both being retrograde. The Mercury retrograde invites us into stillness and it also offers an opportunity to initiate something new. The Mercury cycle and the Moon cycle are my favorites to align my projects with, so if you're interested in learning more about how you can work with the Mercury cycle, I have a blog post about it. I can link it in the show notes. If you're interested in working with the lunar cycle, which is the one that I always recommend people start with, I would invite you to check in with this podcast every new and full moon and explore the themes of each moon with me. And you can set intentions during the new moon and you reflect and release during the full moon. Time Personified is a podcast where I honor the themes of the astrology of the moment by releasing an episode every new and full moon, at least, where I invite people from all professions, walks of life, and backgrounds to explore the themes with me. My mission is to show my listeners that our experience of time is not a march forward, but a cycle. And in this cycle, we revisit archetypes and themes that are ultimately part of ourselves and part of the human experience. And in the interview that I'm sharing with you today, we actually end up having a very beautiful and spontaneous moment where we contemplate how different cultures relate to time. And I loved that because it reflects back to what I'm ultimately trying to do with Time Personified. And it just happens that Libra the season that we're currently in rules over my 10th house of career and public image. So I love how things line up like that. For this new moon in Libra, I sat down for an interview with Lena Papadopoulos. 
Lena is a transformation coach and award-winning intercultural educator. Using her signature four-step framework, Lena helps idealists, visionaries, and purpose-driven leaders cultivate transformative clarity, courage, and confidence so they can live on their own terms, embody their unique purpose, and make a positive impact in the world. Lena has won awards for her commitment to personalized experiences and successful efforts in humanizing communities, and she has helped work with individuals, international schools, universities, nonprofits, and social enterprises in over 10 countries. And in this interview, you'll see that she is very clearly a Scorpio. Um, she talks so much about uncovering what is unseen within ourselves. This interview may inspire you to reflect on your life experience through the context of your purpose and what it is that you're meant to give to the world. It's such a beautiful conversation to be having in this new moon in Libra. And before we get into the interview, I want to take a moment to contemplate on the major arcana tarot card that is connected to the sign of Libra, which is justice. And some of the themes associated with justice are balance, purpose, and alignment with a higher vision for yourself and for the world. And it's the very center of the major arcana. Um, and for some people, uh, some people uh, arrange the major arcana slightly different than others. For some people, it's the first card in the death line. For others, it's the very middle card. It's number 11 of 22 cards. Either way, it's that moment where we consider the impact that our lives have on the other. And we're learning to become more connected with each other through everything that's happening in 2020. I mean, we're learning a lot of the shadows of, of being so connected to each other, which that is a conversation that I've saved for Sagittarius season. But through COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, the election, the natural disasters, they're showing us that this individualistic model of capitalism, patriarchy, white supremacy, white supremacy, it has beyond expired. Um, the way society is set up, it's simply not going to work anymore. We need to reflect on the big picture, on the world that we want to live in, and the role that each of us are going to play in building that. We need to think about how our actions are actually impacting the whole. This interview with Lena Papadopoulos, we talk a lot about how we can process the events and lessons of 2020, and how we can then take those lessons and move forward to 2021 and beyond and build a better world and i'm so excited to share this conversation with you i hope you enjoy it so i'll see you on the other side cool yeah so how are you you're in v you're where are you i'm in cambodia <laughs> yeah so okay. i realized that my zoom is telling people i'm in vietnam i was in vietnam at some point this year which is why it's still reflected on my zoom but i've been in cambodia Pretty much since the lockdowns, I just decided to like um, wait out this whole situation in Cambodia. And yeah. 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 Where about? Oh, I'm in Kampot. It's in the south. And pretty soon I'm going to be leaving Kampot because I'm kind of tired of being here. It's very small. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to make my way up to Phnom Penh once my contract is up with my current house. 
Um, where are you located? Um, well, I, yeah, I was kind of moving around the last three years. I've been just bouncing around, but I came back uh, to the U.S. when they said they were going to close borders. I was in Mexico before. Uh, so I've been here since March. South Carolina is where I grew up. So I've been staying with my sister at the moment. I'm in Atlanta, though, visiting a friend. But Oh, cool. It's good you got to travel. Yeah. Yeah, I just needed a change of scene. Like, I'm not used to being in one place for so long. And it just was getting like, uh, I have to go somewhere, you know? So. Yeah, I'm starting to get very antsy. I've been in this little town in, in the south of Cambodia since March. And yeah. I'm starting to kind of lose my mind a little bit. But I'm very grateful to be here because in Cambodia, it's kind of like the pandemic's not even happening. Like, I right. I can do whatever I want. Um, yeah. I don't like, as far as I know, there are not cases here. So yeah. everybody's just kind of going about their life. And it's really nice. Right. <laughs> I feel for people in yeah. this <laughs> I know. It's kind of a mess. <laughs> uh, but what is it? It's like all a mess here. So <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, speaking of which, um, welcome to the show. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, this has been a very overwhelming year. Um, so I guess, well, let me start by, I'm kind of jumping the gun here. I was trying to go to the first question, but, um, do you want to, um, first of all, tell me how you pronounce your name, um, and then, uh, introduce yourself, um, to the audience. Yeah. Uh, my name is Lena. Uh, how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> it's Papadopoulos. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing last name. It's so long. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's a classic Greek last name. Um, it's probably one of the easier ones. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What, what to say? I'm, yeah, I'm a Greek American. I grew up in the U.S., but my parents are Greek and I spent um, pretty much every year going back to see my extended family. Um, I am a transformation coach and an intercultural educator. Um, and yeah, I usually hop around and location independent, but now here in the U.S. of A, <laughs> um, until further notice, hopefully I'll be leaving by the end of the year. So cool. Yeah. I didn't know that you were Greek. Um, I am a little bit obsessed with Greece. Uh, so really? <laughs> yeah. I saw on your website that you do. Uh, you're probably not doing it at the moment, but you do like retreats to Greece. Um, yeah, I've been wanting to visit Greece forever. That was something I was hoping to do this year, but maybe it'll happen next year. Yeah, sadly, we had to cancel this year's trip, but it's planned for next year. So maybe you could join us. That would be fun. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're here to talk about 2020. Um, and kind of processing the events of this year and talking about how um, we can sort of use this experience of this year to find more purpose and clarity in our own lives um, as individuals and collectively. So let's start by talking about like, um, what are some of the events of 2020 that you find most significant? Um, and what lessons do you think they hold for the collective? Um, well, 
a lot, I guess every, there's a lot happening, right? And I think it's all significant in its own way. There are so many lessons for us here because we're being shown all the ways as a collective in which we need to heal. And I think that healing process is very similar to what it looks like to heal as an individual. So I think a lot of times within healing where we can be really afraid to look at sort of the darkness within us or, you know, like there are just certain things we don't want to look at because we don't like them. It just feels like, oh, and so we push them away. And when we don't integrate, acknowledge and integrate the darkness, we can't experience the light. And I think when we push things like that away, they just find ways to get our attention and to say, hey, see me, I'm a part of you, you have to look at me. Um, And that's what's happening in the world right now. So all this stuff is kind of blowing up in all these different facets of life. And it's like, hey, look at me, you need to deal with this, right? It's, it has to be dealt with. And we can look at things like COVID, um, which I think is teaching us a lot about the importance of human connection, because we're so sort of separated. Well, at least in places where, you know, there's lockdown and things like this, we're so separated from one another. So it's showing us how important it is to to actually be connected and to have a culture of community care. And then of course, with Black Lives Matter, just bringing to the surface things that have obviously been there for centuries, um, but we're really kind of now brought more to the, to the forefront, like white supremacy and injustice and oppression and the need for dominance and power and control and what that looks like and how harmful it is to people. And with all of the natural disasters going on, you know, the the earth is hurting, we're not taking care of it. Um, And we are seeing that these systems that have been designed around profit, right, they're, they're damaging our earth and therefore our lives. We can't survive on the earth if, you know, it's uh, just falling apart. So we have to care for the earth. We have to care for each other. It's showing us, I think, how everything is so interconnected and everything's like a domino effect, right? So everything affects everything else. Um, And so our systems are interconnected. We're interconnected. And I think we just have to look at what's not working within all of that yeah Yeah, you're so right and i like when you use the when you use the term domino effect i feel like that really describes this year um because also like you said like there's this huge um shadow that we're suppressing as a collective and Mm -hmm. we've built our society in a way that that holds people down like um like with the black lives matter movement people of color are being suppressed and held down and oppressed um and then also like our class system with capitalism and i could go on and on and on about um oppression right. and suppression and i feel like 2020 is when finally things started to boil over the pressure built up and finally the lid pops off and mm. then we have this domino effect we have a pandemic which leads to all these conversations of like all this unemployment, all this economic disparity or um, pain. And then that leads to like the Black Lives Matter movement happens. And then we start dealing with all these natural disasters and we already have a horrible economy. So like it, 
like there's this um, cause and effect of 2020 and it's like one thing after another. Um, mm -hmm. But none of this stuff is, if you're really paying attention, you shouldn't be surprised about any of it. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people were surprised, just like in 2016, a lot of people were surprised yep. that a white supremacist, horrible you know, person like Trump could be elected president, but those people weren't paying attention. What I sometimes struggle with is the knowledge that like the people who've been hurting the most all along are really hurting in 2020. And at the same time, it's almost kind of like, yeah, but actually they've already been dealing with all of the same issues. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, I think becoming more visible, right? To some people, obviously, some people are well aware of what their realities have been for, for so long. But either way, I think it's positive that mm -hmm. a lot of things are being brought to light because that's the only way that we can um, address things is to be aware of them. So... Absolutely. And then also to touch on what you were saying about COVID, how it um, underlines the need for human connection um, mm -hmm. and the need to come together as a community. That was one of the observations I made early on about COVID because we lived in a, a very individualistic, disconnected world. We're all staring at our screens all the time. Like when you're out to lunch with somebody, you might not even be looking them in the eyes because you're so involved with your screen. I, it, I, it almost felt like, okay, like you're going to be so, you're going to intentionally isolate yourselves like okay like, let's see how you actually like isolation um, and then I also like what you said about communities coming together because that is right now we have the north node moving through Gemini and that's one of the main interpretations that I've made of the north node in Gemini is it's underlying like relying on um, communities on a smaller level because these big systems like um, like the government and businesses um, they don't have the best interest of the individual at heart. Um, and we've seen this with the, with the pandemic, um, how like one of the first things people did was like they would raid stores and yeah. like buy all the toilet paper because we don't have the ability to actually care for ourselves without these big businesses, like these big corporate grocery stores and these big like, we, we don't like, maybe we go back to, um, planting community gardens. Maybe we go back to taking care of each other on a smaller, simpler, more community level so that when the big system like comes down, we're not all helpless. Um, right. So that, I think that was a very astute observation because um, I see that in the astrology as well. But yeah, um, yeah, this year's incredibly overwhelming, like we were saying. Um, and looking at what is happening in the world right now, as individuals, it can be really easy to feel hopeless. Um, so what advice do you have for someone who wants to be a force of good in this world in 2020 and just in general? I think that we have to get, or like you as an individual, whoever, whoever needs to get really clear on what do you want the world to look like and what role do you play in that process of transformation? So for me, discovering your purpose or the way in which you contribute to the collective is kind of how I define purpose. Um, it's about a return to self. And that requires, I think, um, disrupting systems and disrupting the status quo. And it's very Uranian, right? Um, so 
you know, it's, it's becoming clear on like, who am I and what do I value outside of who I've been taught to be and who, and what I've been taught to value and what does success mean to me apart from what it looks like in my society or my culture, what lies at the intersection of my skills and talents, my values and passions and my pain points, whether they be like my own or the ones that I bear witness to in the world, like what, what hurts me. Right. And so kind of looking at all of those things together and figuring out, okay, what can I contribute to the world that I want to see? And also what is most scary to me? Because I think what we're most called to do is probably the thing we feel most resistant to because it's, it feels vulnerable too, right? It feels scary to do something that we feel is really meaningful, whether it's because we're afraid of failure, we're afraid of success or whatever. Um, so I think when you, when you feel called to do something and you feel a resistance to it, it's probably really important to do it, you know? So for me, for example, like I want to see a world where difference is celebrated, where people are accepted and valued as they are, where we all belong, where justice and equity rules. So for me, my purpose has always been about creating that and it looks different and it takes different forms and shapes at different points in my life. But ultimately, I've always focused on creating space for connection and vulnerability and space where people can express and embody the truth of who they are without judgment. Um, and I think that's because I know so well what it feels like to, to not be accepted, to be othered, to not belong. So that's why it's important for me, right? Because that's a, a pain point of mine. And I also think we can't really lead other people anywhere we haven't ourselves been. And we can only meet others as deeply as we've met ourselves. So where have you been? What have you been through? What are you able to lead others through? You know? Um, so yeah, I just think it's about like envisioning what do I want the world to look like and what do I have to offer in that process of transformation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you're also kind of saying like reflecting on your own story and, mm -hmm. um, and reflecting on the ways that you've struggled and using that to build a vision of how this world can be better. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And then how, do you have any advice for how we can get from the vision to like, okay, what is the actual like practical thing that I can do to achieve that vision? Yeah. So <laughs> this is actually like one of the components of my work is kind of helping people find I think the courage and confidence to pursue what it is they they envision for the world and what they think their role is in that. So, you know, I think there's a lot of breaking down of fear that has to happen with that. Gosh, our own like insecurities and our own fears around inadequacy or imposter syndrome, all these kinds of things. It's going to be different for every person, of course, because we're all kind of facing different challenges, but, you know, there are practical steps you can take in your, depending on what the vision is and what you want to bring to life, um, you know, things you can do, small things every day in your daily life, ways that you can contribute to the 
to the smaller community around you. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. I have a hard time like giving a specific just because I think it all depends on a person's specific vision, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's totally case by case. And I think it's a good point that like, I think when you think about your purpose, uh, a lot of times people think like, okay, like what's my career or like, what is something huge I'm going to create? And I think that a lot of times your purpose can come down to the little things that you do every day and the little choices you make every day. So when you talk about the contributions you make to your own community, um, I think that's a really important point um, to bring up with purpose. Yeah, for sure. Because just like I was saying before about kind of what I feel my purpose is about creating space where people feel free to be themselves without judgment you know, yes, I kind of, in a way, I have built my career around doing that, but that's not necessary. I also do that in my daily life. So how do I hold space for the people I care about, for my friends, for my loved ones? You know, how do I listen and accept who they are without judgment, right? That's something I can practice every day with everybody. It's not, it doesn't have to be Right, like something I make money off of or something I get famous for or whatever. And I'm curious, okay, so I'm going to ask you a little bit about astrology. I know that it's not your main thing, but I know you do some astrology readings. But when we're talking about this, I keep thinking about like Chiron and Jupiter because Jupiter is about contextualizing your life. And I think about like the Jupiter return. This is when you like really start to understand your story. Um, And then Chiron is about using what is painful to be a force of good in the world. Chiron's about a lot of things. He's a very complex archetype. I don't like it when people like pigeonhole Chiron as like the wounded healer, but um, that is a big part of his story. Um, And I'm curious about like, um, when you do chart readings, um, is it right that you do chart readings to like help people kind of like find this within themselves, the the purpose? in the as I'm doing it now, no. As of right now, it's more just like here. It's to help people become more aware, I think, of how they are wired. Like this, here's your cosmic DNA kind of thing, um, the blueprint to your soul. But I do eventually really want to do sessions centered around using the chart to find purpose because, right, there's so much you can look at there with Jupiter, with Saturn, with Mars, with Uranus, like there's a lot that can tell you about what your purpose is and the different facets of this because it is multifaceted. It's not like you have like this one purpose, this one single thing. There are lots of different elements to that. Um, And yeah, and I think astrology is like such a powerful tool to use to help people see that for themselves, what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just curious, because um, this this is a tangent from our conversation, but I was curious if there were like any um, planets in the chart that you used or any techniques you used in the chart to like pinpoint that in somebody. Um, but I'm sure that's something that you'll have down the road when you start doing that that service for people. Yeah. And that's exciting. And building toward it. Building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's going to be a really important offering, um, especially like the world that we're um, that we're moving into right now. Uh, there was another podcaster I listened to who said something really profound that like really stuck with me. Um, and she's she basically said like complacency doesn't have a place in this world anymore. Like we can't just 
coast in this world anymore and like just get by and not be in our power and not be in our purpose. Like the world doesn't have room for that anymore. We all need to be really stepping up um, because of the moment we're in in human history. Like the question of like whether or not there's going to be future generations is like on the table. Um, So I think it's really great that you are building an offering like that and that you're doing the work that you do because it is so, so important right now. Um, And one of the other things you do in your business is you're an intercultural educator and um, you help people with um, breaking down their biases. And I I know that you have a a coaching session that you offer with that. Um, So you can talk about that if you'd like. Um, And then also talk about uh, why do you feel like, this is such an obvious question, but but I'm going to ask it anyway. (laughs) Why do you think it's important for us to be breaking down our biases in 2020 in particular? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I've always worked in intercultural education and leadership development and a huge aspect of both of those things of navigating cultural difference and of being a leader is self-awareness. Like for me, that's the the first part of all of it. We have to start with being self-aware and a huge part of that is making the unconscious conscious and bias is almost always unconscious. It's the product of socio-cultural conditioning. And, you know, you can just travel around the world and see, experience different cultures and see, like, reality is a collectively created construct, right? And so we can see now with everything that's happening, the reality we have constructed and the structures we've built um, they're kind of breaking, <laughs> breaking down, thankfully, I'm glad. Um, and so I think it's especially important now because as so many things are kind of being brought to the surface for people who may not have been aware of them before, um, you know, there are a lot of people, who, especially let's say white people who want to say, you know, that's not me. I'm a good person. I don't have bias. Mm. Yes, you do. We all have bias and we've been programmed to have bias from the time of our birth because that's really even what culture is. It's just like a process of programming. Um, And so because of that, it's all very much unconscious. It's outside of our awareness. And so my work is about bringing all that's buried beneath the surface up to the light so that we can understand both where it comes from and the impact that it may, that it has. Right. And we may not have directly created the oppressive systems that we now live in, but we uphold them. And a large reason for that is because so many people are unaware of how and why that happens. Yeah. Like really, looking at what are my what is my unconscious bias what are my unconscious biases where do they come from um and how do i kind of reprogram my mind and my belief system and my perception of reality so that i'm no longer unconsciously inflicting harm on other people i mean some people are doing it consciously right but for the most part it's very unconscious. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that's really been brought to light recently, for me at least, um, and I think for a lot of the collective, is that 
you know, there are, most people don't want to hurt others. Most people don't want to think less of others because of something so superficial as like the color of their skin or where they might come from or where their economic classes or whatever. Um, like, so it's easy to be like, yeah, I'm a good person. I don't, I don't think less of somebody or treat anybody differently because of, you know, something like that. But white supremacy is, um, and colonialism and homophobia, whatever, like patriarchy, it is in our DNA. Like it's something that is imprinted in our nervous system and we carry with it. And some of us benefit from it, um, whether we want to admit it or not. So I think that it's, that work is also the, the bias um, coaching that you do is very important too, because um, this stuff is so unconscious. And I think we're just now coming to terms finally (laughs) as a collective that like, there is a lot of unconscious, um, like uh, discrimination, um, bias, uh, prejudices that we all carry. It doesn't matter if you're freaking Mother Teresa, you you have it. Um, You have oppression built into your DNA. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) But if this is uh, sparking anything for you, then I definitely recommend you checking out Lena's service with that because um, this work is really, really important. Um, as your contribution to the collective, and then also um, addressing your biases and addressing this um, hidden part of yourself is a really big part of finding clarity and purpose in your lives. And do you want to speak more to that? I know you touched on it. Yeah, well, again, I think it's connected to self-awareness. And what I was saying before, you know, about your finding clarity and purpose is about a return to self and that requires breaking breaking free of conditioning and programming which our biases are based in um so breaking down bias is really about breaking down conditioning and that's what allows us to get clarity on who we really are what we really value what our role in the world really is aside from what we've been told it should be right we're so often like oh i'm supposed to do this and i'm supposed to do that but mm, not really <laughs> um you know so i think when we're more aligned with the truth of who we are it's easier to give people the space and grace to be who they are because when we operate from our unconscious bias, right, that's all about projecting our fear onto other people. Um, So bias is rooted in fear. And when it's unconscious, we're projecting it. So I think when we've met our fears head on, and when we faced those dark parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at, that's when we can accept and integrate the fullness of who we are, which makes us more accepting, empathetic, loving, and compassionate towards other people. So I can accept all of you because I've learned how to accept all of me. I really think that um, the division between us is a reflection of the disconnect within us. And so I think addressing our own biases and our own darkness and our own you know, whatever crap that we carry that we are pretty unaware of, that all of that brings our humanity into focus and it allows us to see the humanity in other people as well. 
Yeah, I, that is so right. Like it all is just projecting just how like, it, even when you, when you love somebody else, then what you're loving is actually a reflection of yourself. The whole world is really just a reflection of you. Your relationships are just a reflection of the relationship you have with yourself. So that is all so true. Um, and we live in a world where it's really difficult to know what the truth is. We have so much information out there. So like sometimes it's literally difficult to, to determine mm-hmm. like what is reality. And also we have all of this conditioning and all of this fear and all of this stuff that we carry that doesn't belong to us. Um, do you have any like uh, advice for how somebody can determine um, what in in terms of like the stories that are that are being told in their head and like what they think their purpose is and um how do you actually distinguish what is reality and what is not you know you mentioned before we're we're in this disconnected culture um spending a lot of times on our screens kind of you know we're disconnected from each other but also from ourselves and so i think one of the the main things we have to do is spend time with ourselves, intentional time. There's so much, you know, we're always doing something to distract, to avoid, to fill up the space. Um, no, like, don't do that. Sit with yourself, sit with, with your thoughts, sit with your own feelings. I think it's so important that You know, just like if you have a friend and you value them and you're in relationship with them, well, you want to sit and you want to talk to them and you want to spend time with them and you want to get to know them. But we don't do that with ourselves and the relationship we have with ourselves is literally the most relation important one that we have at all, right? And so, yeah, I think it's about carving out time and space to be present with yourself. And, you know, when when smartphones first came out, this is funny, but... I resisted them for years. I was one of those people with the little old school flip phone, literally for years when other people had smartphones, because I I knew that I didn't want that temptation of that distraction. Like, oh, I have some free time. I'm just going to scroll to kill these 10 minutes. No, I'm going to spend that time with myself, with my own, with my own thoughts. How do I feel about the things that are happening around me? Like, you know, what is, what is my truth? Um, so spending time in just in silence and solitude and meditation, doing breath work, doing grounding exercises, because I think it's really important that we reconnect with our bodies as well. We're so, we're so like caught up in our heads and analyzing things, the logical mind, which is also like where anxiety what anxiety is rooted in so it's really about kind of moving out of that space into not just what do i think about this but what do i really feel about this so it's about learning to tap also into your into your intuition which is not part of the analytical mind the logical mind the rational mind so yeah i have like different sort of practices and visualization techniques techniques that I recommend for people when I work with them um, in my coaching. But yeah, I think it's just important to spend time with ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And spending time away from the phone 
that that probably the the best advice you could give anyone in this moment. Um, one of the I, I like to research things and go really deep into topics. And one of the topics that I'm researching right now, just like on my own time, is the dark side of social media. And it is really scary how these these social media platforms are basically programmed to capture as much of our attention as possible and like they're not here to benefit us we're actually a commodity that they're selling um we're a commodity in a trillion dollar industry so like taking back what is rightfully ours which is our attention in our mental space in our peace i think that is such an important thing that we can do in a world that is just being like infiltrated by this digital technology that's a whole other topic though um but yeah mm -hmm. spending time with yourself getting out of the head and getting into the body like it's so simple and it's revolutionary i think on an individual level and on a collective level um yeah so <laughs> have mm -hmm. have you been able to find any hope and optimism for the future when you look around at everything that's happening and if so, do you have any um, words of wisdom for anyone who feels hopeless right now? You know, I, I, well, I feel like I've always been a very optimistic person. Um, I kind of look at everything as the glass is half full kind of thing. So in some ways, it's just how I see the world. And I don't think that has necessarily changed. Like, I see hope and possibility and potential in everything. And I think for me, a big factor that contributes to that is, is the practice of non-attachment. Um, Cause I think we get so attached to the, the way things are supposed to look or the way things are supposed to be. But, you know, as Buddhism teaches us, <laughs> attachment is, is suffering. And I think remaining open to what, to what could be allows us to create what could be so when we know a lot about you know quantum physics and the quantum field we know that all realities and outcomes are possible like any any possibility is possible um so what's the outcome that we want and how do we work on bringing that to life into into our reality so it goes back to sort of the beginning of the conversation, what do you want the world to look like and what's your role in that transformation? And somebody re recently asked me, what do I think power is? Like, what is my understanding of, of power? And for me, I think true power is awareness because again, back to awareness, um, when you understand the why of something, that's when you're able to identify the solution because so often we focus on the symptoms of a problem and that doesn't address what actually caused the problem right we can we can try to doctor up the symptoms all we want but it never resolves the issue so understanding the why of something is how we identify the solution to it so again what what is what do i want the world to look like why is it not that way now what's the solution to that and how do I, you know, what's my role in, in bringing that into the realm of possibility and reality? Yeah. I don't know if that's helpful, but. 
I think it's yeah. really helpful. Yeah, I it's funny. I did an interview um, back in February with somebody about spiritual um, activism. It's funny because we recorded the interview during in, in February, so we were living in a very different world. Um, right. <laughs> but she said that um, activists, people who are like fighting for a cause to make the world a better place, one of the mistakes they make is they forget to actually envision the future that they're fighting for. They focus on like, oh, this person is being oppressed. These people are being oppressed. This thing is wrong and we have to fight it. Uh, but no, like uh, tap into the, the fact that, yeah, quantum physics tells us that every outcome is possible. You could create any kind of, we can create any kind of world we want to. So what do we want to create? We have to put some kind of vision out there. Uh, we right. can't just focus on the problems and also focusing on the problems can probably lead to feeling hopeless, which is, I think a lot right. of people in the world are feeling hopeless right now. In terms of holding a vision, so I'm an Aquarius, and that means I'm a fixed air sign, which means hold, having a vision for my future is not a difficult thing. What is difficult for me is um, basically I get really stuck in my head. Um, I, yeah. I get a vision of how I want something to go, and then I get trapped in it, and I can't like hold on, I can't really like open up to new possibilities because I'm very, very stubborn in my mental world. Um, so for me personally, one of the most difficult things about 2020 is that I haven't been able to even like grab on to like a potential vision for my future. I can't envision a future for myself because I don't know what the world looks like. And I'm sharing this because I, I imagine that like I'm not alone in experiencing this. Mm -hmm. um, how can we remain visionaries when times are so transitional, when things are so uncertain. That's, I feel like this idea or this concept of uncertainty has been coming up so much this year for people like, oh, I just, I don't know what the future looks like. Everything is so uncertain. And the reality is that everything is always uncertain. We never actually know what the future looks like. So our present is no more uncertain now than it's ever been, I think, even though it may seem like it just because because so much has been brought to the surface and it feels like overwhelming, but it's actually really no more uncertain than it ever was. And this is, we can look again at like cultural differences, I think, to kind of even uh, put this into perspective a little bit. So, you know, in in Western cultures, we, we very much view time as this, we, it's called monochronic time. So we view time as linear and we view time as a resource. And it's something that we have time, we spend time, time can be wasted. We almost, you know, it's like something we have control over is how we, we think of it. And so that's what we're so uncomfortable with uncertainty. But the rest of the world operates on polychronic time, which is to view time as literally an abstract concept, as this thing that you don't actually have any control over. And so, you know, in a lot of polychronic cultures, like, let's say, for example, um, Arabic or Islamic culture, right? They say, inshallah, God willing. They don't, they don't make commitments. They don't say like, yes, I'll be there. It's more of like, a maybe I'll be there because inshallah, God willing, you know, I don't know what's going to happen between now and then. So I can't make a commitment because 
like, how do I know? Everything's uncertain, right? So there are cultures in the world that uncertainty is their normal and they understand like, I don't have control over all of these things. But I think in the Western world, we're very like focused on like everything is a resource and I can control it all. Um, but not really. Um, so I think it goes back to the idea of non-attachment and existing kind of in this, this state of flow. So that's another reason why I think it's so important to get really clear on like, what are my values and how do I let my values guide me? So no, no matter what's happening in the world, as long as you're making decisions based on your values, you are acting in alignment with yourself, right? Aligned with who you are. Yeah, it's always uncertain, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's definitely true. I love that you brought up time because this podcast is called Time Personified. Um, and yeah, the, the reason I call my podcast Time Personified is because I've had a very tumultuous relationship with time. Like I've always been somebody who I needed to, like I, I thought that I needed to be successful really young. I've always been very anxious about being late to things. And I have a very controlling relationship with time, which mm-hmm. um, in astrology helped me to basically personify time um, to help me realize that time is a construct. Time is, um, if you look at it through the lens of um, astrology, time is uh, a conversation with all of these archetypes. You move through this spiral throughout the year and you encounter all of the aspects of your own humanity. And I think it's important, um, a big part of uh, exposing yourself to other cultures and like becoming breaking down your biases and becoming more open um, to other worldviews is realizing that your own worldview is a social construct right. and is a story that was fed to you that does not necessarily have to be true. And there's other people out there that have a different relationship with time, have a different view on the world, and then that can help you to realize oh, maybe my worldview might not be serving me. Maybe there's aspects of it that I can change. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm really glad that you brought up um, that little tidbit about the Islamic world and how they relate to time and then also just talking about time because ultimately that's what this podcast is about. So it's very beautiful that that yeah. came up. <laughs> yeah. And the way that we the way that we do perceive time as like this linear sort of resource especially viewing it as a resource that's born right that's capitalism in its purest form it's born of the industrial revolution the idea of like um how can we be as efficient as possible time is money this is where this is where that comes from right it's it's capitalism personified the need to control time is capitalism so yeah (laughs) yeah I definitely hold a lot of that stuff in my nervous system. I have a lot of Capricorn planets, so I hold a lot of the like capitalist mm-hmm. wounding that I'm working on shedding. And this mm-hmm. year has definitely given me that opportunity <laughs> time and time again. Um, <laughs> but as we move forward in, into the rest of 2020 and into 2021, what are some of the things that you personally hope to see happen in the world? I think the main thing that I want to see 
is more, I want people to be more curious um, about the lived experience of others. So I want to see more connection, more bridge building. There's so much polarization. So even the people that are like, I'm for social justice and I'm for this and I'm for that and, and I'm fighting for people's rights, like, Actually, what I see, even even among those people, is a lot of closed-mindedness, is a lot of judgment, is a lot of intolerance, right? And the more that we don't understand why people believe the things they believe or why people feel the way they feel, um, the more that we just build up these walls between us and there isn't a way to find common ground. So... You know, I think it's so important to meet people where they're at, not where we want them to be. And I have found in my work that the foundation of bias is always fear. Um, and so understanding, like, actually, what is that person even afraid of and why are they afraid of that? Um, and that means getting curious and asking questions and, you know, I think curiosity helps us excavate to get to the foundations of of that fear and to pave the road to resolution because once we meet people where they're at that's how we connect with their humanity and that's how we we build this common ground i was at a conference last year um like intercultural education stuff and there was this workshop on polarization and how do we deal with polarizing conversations where people are kind of on very different sort of opposite ends of the spectrum in their belief about something. And um, the facilitator shared an acronym that I think is really useful and I'm going to share it now. Um, and it's called please. <laughs> and the P is for pause and don't take it personally. The L is listen and suspend judgment. E is empathize. A is analyze your own assumptions and ask questions. Um, S is to speak in their own words. So again, it's about meeting people where they're at and where they're coming from. And E is about expectation management. So I think also to be realistic, like you're not going to, you know, when you're engaging in a polarizing conversation, you are not going to convert the person to your side. That's not going to happen. But the the goal is to establish some kind of common ground like okay how do i get closer to understanding where you're coming from and how do you get closer to understanding where i'm coming from and over time we find ways to build bridges that allow us to meet i think that was like a huge thing that was really important for me when trump was elected in 2016 because i come from a really small town in the south and a lot, a lot of people that I know voted for Trump. They are huge fans of Trump, even still. They have not changed their minds about that. Yeah, like something I had to do at that time was really understand why do they support him? Because what is the fear that underlies that? Because I'm afraid, I have a fear that makes me not support him, but they have a fear that draws them to support him. And so what is that fear? And that was you know, like being able to understand that and, and sort of understand where people are coming from and meet them where they're at, we were able 
to just, yeah, find common ground on different issues. And I think that's so important. So that's what I want to see is more curiosity and connection in that way. Um, because ultimately that's the only way we're going to create change and break down barriers is by doing that. Yeah. And we definitely live in a highly polarized world. A lot of it goes back to, I could go on a rant about how social media radicalizes people. Um, but like we live in a world where people are really on opposite ends of the spectrum and there's not a lot of common ground right now. So I think that's important for us to be reaching out and trying to connect with each other again. And um, I'm glad that you shared that acronym uh, because I know that personally as someone who really cares about the state of the world and cares about a lot of things, it is difficult for me to like relate to my family members who support Trump or um, to talk to people I know who support certain like strange conspiracy theories about where the virus came from. Like there's a lot of weird stuff out there um, that people are believing and, and talking about. And sometimes it can be very triggering. And I think that that acronym that you shared is a really important tool that we can all sort of have in our back pocket so that we can move towards finding some sort of like collective agreement of what our reality really is at the moment and what it should be moving mm -hmm. forward. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, this has been awesome. Like you, you're doing really, really cool work and I'm so thrilled that I got to have you on the show and this has been such an awesome conversation. So uh, where can people go to continue to learn more about you and what you do? Um, yeah, well, I guess they could visit my website. <laughs> That's lenapapadopoulos.com. So good luck spelling that. <laughs> and um, I'm on Instagram also as lenapapadopoulos, though I haven't posted to my feed in literally months. But I'm always in my stories sharing little things here and there, but yeah, like I would love to work with people, do an intercultural intensive or a bias breakdown, these different services that I have. Um, I think it's important, obviously, as we talked about at this point in time, um, to explore all this stuff. Uh, and what is unconscious and bringing it to the surface, so. Yeah, check out all of that stuff and check out her work. And if you're intimidated by the spelling of her name, don't worry, it's all in the show. <laughs> I have carefully copied and pasted everything so that <laughs> it is all correct. <laughs> so I've done that work for you. And yeah, thanks again for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for asking me. Thank you so much, Lana, for being on the show. All of the links to her work are in the show notes, and um, those of you who listened all the way through, I am infinitely grateful for your time and your attention and your energy. I hope you found this episode uplifting and helpful, no matter when it is you're listening to this episode. And if you're listening during the new moon in Libra, I wish you a beautiful new moon experience. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Bye for now. I remember father holding my hand I remember when he said be a man It's time to run, it's time to chase What you were always meant to be I remember screaming out I'm so scared Afraid to fall, feeling so unprepared What if I don't leave the ground Cause I've been chained by gravity He said it's true That you might just fail You won't regret it And I know that if you
Here's when I left another love, another life. 